This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. If one was going to pick a defensive player that epitomized the heyday of Kansas State football under Bill Snyder, it would probably be linebacker Mark Semino. Coming out of Kansas High School powerhouse Smith Center, Semino arrived in Manhattan somewhat ill-prepared for the complexities of the college game. But one thing Mark Semino has never been short on is work ethic. From learning the pre-snap reads of a middle linebacker at the major college level to making the weight room a second home, Seminole became a dominant force for the Wildcats during the late 1990s. He was named the Big 12's Defensive Player of the Year after that 99 season, his senior year, and went into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2012. After leaving K-State, Seminole was drafted in the third round of the 2000 NFL Draft by the Atlanta Falcons. He spent three seasons in Atlanta, followed by three seasons each in Philly and New Orleans. Mark completed his career with a final season with the Kansas City Chiefs in 2010. It provided him an easy transition into his career as a private strength and conditioning trainer in the Kansas City area. Eventually, he got into high school sports, and it became an opportunity a few years ago to work exclusively with the athletes at Gardner Edgerton High School on the Kansas side of the Kansas City Metroplex. He is the athletic department's strength coach. The presence of Semino roaming the playing surface at K-State with his oversized shoulder pads and neck roll seems both fresh and distant in the history of K-State football. But Mark left a deep mark on the culture of K-State football by setting a very high bar in terms of work ethic. Now let's call Mark Semino in Gardner, Kansas. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Tim? Good, man. I'm really good. Are you going to be having school in person there in Gardner Edgerton? Um, not sure. Oh. Not sure yet. It's going to be, I think, it's determined off of the gating criteria oh. through Johnson County. So that's kind of a fluid um, situation. So I think they adjust that maybe every 14 days. And I think that they're going to be coming out with some of that information here in the next uh, few days or the next 14 days. So, so we'll see. We don't, we don't start till 
uh, school doesn't start till September um, 7th or 8th. Okay. Um, anyway, so. Got some time. We're not sure. But. How is your life? How is it? Yeah. Um, it's good. It's good. Um, I've been in Kansas City here for, gosh, we probably, uh, I think it was 2007 that we bought a house um, in this area and was back and forth um, for a few years in the off season and being in New Orleans and back and forth during that time. And um, after after uh, I was done playing, and you know, we we were actually out for at Arizona for a while. I was kind of trying to decide whether I was going to um, try to continue to play. Or you know, I had some injuries at the end of my my career, and and then just decided to to, to come back to Kansas. And then it worked out where um, I ended up playing for a little bit longer with the Chiefs, and then then retired. And after that, I started my business here, and we've been here for. For gosh, it's, it seems like yesterday in some ways, but it's also yeah. seemed like a long time. Time does in some way. So, but it, but it's good, you know. I've, I've got uh, two kids, uh, two girls, and they're growing up fast. And uh, my wife, uh, and 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 being at Gardner uh, coaching, you know, I, I had my business there for almost seven and a half years, and. A lot of a lot of energy and time in that place, and a lot of a lot of great people um, that I've been able to meet. Um, you know, being in this Kansas City area, so it's been good. Though I'm 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 enjoying I'm enjoying life. This this time, obviously for everybody, is very trying. You know, um, um, with the COVID and, and with uh, just kind of circumstances, but um, hopefully things will be can can get better here soon. Well, to fill people in, you're the strength coach at Gardner, and uh, how was yeah. that transition from going from private business into the school environment? Um, just from a coaching standpoint, it's it's I like it better because I get a I get to see the the student athletes more often. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in a private in the private sector, you might you might get an athlete you would work at work with for four years, but typically that might just be in their off season. Um, you wouldn't have a big impact during the season. Um, if they were participating, if they're a multi-sport athlete, you maybe get them in the summertime. So being in the, in the school setting, I, I feel like it allows, allows me, um, a lot more, a lot more hours total with each, each, each athlete. Right. And I feel like you can have a bigger impact. You know, you're obviously able to control more, of of what they're getting, what you're prescribing, whether it's speed development work or strength work or plyometrics or whatever you're doing, so you're able to control that a little bit, a little bit more, um, being in that environment. So I really, I really enjoy enjoy that having the opportunity to be consistently with the kids in season, off season, summertime. You know, we 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 take a few breaks off during during the course of the year, but for most of the year we're ha- we're in some level of training. That's awesome. I mean, like a teacher, you get to see uh, the yeah. kids progress. I mean, from yeah. sometimes scrawny freshman into an impressive senior. <laughs> That's kind of kind of cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's crazy because I mean, kids just change so much. I mean, it's. I mean, you've got some kids you just know when they come in as freshmen, they just haven't developed at all. But you're 
you're just kind of waiting for those things to happen and being there. This would be starting the, the start of my third year there. I've been there two full um, years. So some of those kids that are freshmen going into their freshman year will be going to their junior year. So it's just, it's cool. It's really, it's really cool to see their development. And, and there's so many, so many things from a training standpoint, like, like to me, like you, first thing you have to do is you have to learn about the process of training, about, you know, how to do the movements, you know, understanding positions. And so all those type things take, a, I mean, sometimes take a long time, especially if you're going to do it the right way. And uh, those things take a while and then you develop that foundation and then you start to build on, on top of that foundation. So um, you definitely, when you, when you know you have them for four, four or five years, depending if they're coming in as eighth grader or whenever you see them first, you, you can really have a big impact um, because you don't have, I mean, there's no reason to be in a, in a major hurry to try to get any, any specific place. So you really take your time and make sure you're really developing a great foundation for them and a movement foundation and then build strength and speed and all those things on top of that. Really cool. Do you work just for football or all sports? All sports. All yeah, sports. all sports. So yeah, that, male, female, and yeah. Yeah, that's giving you some challenges. I mean, you, you have a background yeah. lifting for football, but you had to learn uh-huh. a lot of other things along the way, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, to me, I always just try to treat it as a, an athletic, um, try to develop them as athletes. And, and then let, you know, the sport coaches obviously are going to refine what they're doing from, from a sports-specific standpoint. So, but most kids in high school, they just need a general – they need to learn how to move, and they need to develop some level of strength. Now, certain sports are require more strength than other sports, but, uh, but uh, just depending on what, what's required, those are the things you're trying to develop for each specific sport. But it's football you love, isn't it? I do love football. I know. I know. I, it's... <laughs> I do love football. But I do, I, I mean, man, we have some kids that are, man, they're just, I'm blown away by their ability levels, you know, um, boys and girls. And, and it's not just football players, but I just, I just like, and, I, and I, I always tell them, like, if you're bought in and you're, I don't care, I don't care what it is that you're doing. If you're bought in and you're going to work hard and like, I'm 100%, like, yeah. going to do everything I possibly can to, to, to help you be the best you can be. You know, and, and um, that is uh, that's pretty cool when you see a kid that's just just has that drive and, and wants to, to be able to be the best. Yeah, that wasn't me in high school. It, it took a while to get the drive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sometimes it takes longer than other time. You know, other. Yeah, uh, but ahead. when you were, you didn't have a choice in high school. I mean, you, growing up in Smith yeah. Center. It was just part yeah. of the culture. I mean, it's not. I don't want to say that you didn't have a choice in like force, but it was just what you yeah. were surrounded with. I mean, it was the whole, the whole thing in Smith Center under Coach Barta. It was an incredible, incredible football program yeah. in which you got to be a part of. No question about it. I mean, growing up in Smith Center, like that was, that was it. I mean, Friday nights and, you know. The cheerleaders throwing the little footballs out, you know, during after a touchdown, and going and pretending like you're you're the running back or whatever position you liked, and running around in the back. And I mean, that was what it was all about. I I mean, I I had two brothers that were older, ten and eight years, Tim and Jeff, and 
you know, my brother Tim, he was a basketball player. So, I mean, I was kind of into basketball because he was a basketball player and, and, and Jeff played football and they, they won a state championship when, when he was a junior. So it, like you said, it was, I mean, if you were a, a male student at, uh, at Smith center, there was a really good chance you were, you were playing football and, and that tradition, you, you can't say enough about what coach Barta did to create that and the success that he helped build and, and what, what that did for that community and what it continues to do for that community. So, I mean, I'm just, I was just fortunate to, to be, to, to grow up there and be a part of it. And then you go to Kansas state. I, I don't know of many football players that can claim the coaching pedigree you had from high school to college. I mean, that's just absolutely remarkable. How were, Coach Barta yeah. and Coach Snyder similar and different. Um, I Coach Barta, from a similarity standpoint, um, from the fundamentals was very big for both for both coaches. And obviously, being a high school player, that to me, that's from a development standpoint. If you were to, you know, talk about the best way to, to be a good college player and beyond, like you want to have great fundamentals and, you know, learning the game, learned how to play with your hands as a defensive player, how to, how to block, how to tackle, doing all those things. And, and uh, coach Barter was, was really big on that. Um, you know, and coach Snyder was the same and you know, he was, he was about fundamentals and doing things the, the right way. Um, I think from a, you know, from a philosophy standpoint for football, you know, coach, Coach Barta, I would say, and it, it makes sense because you're in high school, but it was, it was very, it was very simple what we did. Like it was very simple, and it was about executing at the highest level. And it didn't matter what the what the defense or what the offense was going to do. We we were going to be able to execute a higher level, and that was why we were going to win. I think when you get to college, it's it's a little bit harder to do that. So I think there was probably more offensively with, with coach Snyder, like was a lot more complicated, a lot more scheme type things that, that he did from a coaching standpoint. Um, so I just, I'd say probably that would be the major thing, but you know, the personalities, you know, coach Barta was, um, very relaxed, very laid back, um, but could, you know, could get, get into it. And, and, and coach Snyder was very, is very, uh, very methodic, very methodical, and how he he looked at things, and very controlled. Um, so, kind of similar personalities, but difference in, in a few few different ways as, as well. So, yeah, but I mean, like you said, having those two coaches over the course of nine years, <laughs> you know, that was, that was playing football. So, yeah, it's pretty blessed. What's your first really good football memory from Smith Center? I mean, there's probably ones that were before that, but but I can't remember. I mean, was the first one that sticks out to me the most would be when my brother went to to uh, the state championship, and being a young a younger kid, I remember being at the the game before state and winning. How excited everybody was, and how big a moment that was, and then that year just happened to be the state championship for that class ended up being at, uh, in Manhattan 
at K-State. Wow. And I just can remember thinking, I was like, my gosh, how cool is it to get a, for, for him to get to go out there and run around on that field? You know, and at that time, K-State had the old turf. I mean, the old turf with the, the middle of the field was painted on. So if you, you land on there, you lost, you lost your entire arm. Like, it, it was it was over. But, I mean, at that time, that wasn't what you're thinking about. It was just how cool is it to get that opportunity to be able to go and play. Because not very many people um, in the state of Kansas have that opportunity to do that. So that's probably one early football memory that sticks out that, that – just, just uh, I, I would say probably drove drove me in some ways to to want to play, you know, and uh, it was pretty cool that that happened to be in Manhattan um, where that memory took place. It is pretty cool. Uh, it's amazing as kids what we think is just awesome, and then you look back and you go, <laughs> God, that turf was crap. That was just horrible playing surface. <laughs> It's not good. No, it was yeah, like, as bad like, as you shoes, can find. What shoes he's going to wear? Like, I remember all that. Like, what, what kind of shoes are you going to wear? Because, you know, I mean, it's a different service. We're going to tennis shoes or whatever. And trying to figure out the best thing. So, it's funny. How easy is or difficult a decision was it to go to K-State? Um, it was it was a pretty easy decision. Because, I mean, I, I told the story before. But, I mean, I really wasn't heavily recruited. So, and, and again, from being from Smith Center at that time, you know, uh, it wasn't, the recruiting wasn't as big at that point. Exposure was harder to get. Um, there was a connection there because of Brooks Barda, Coach Barda, my brother Jeff being there. Um, so there was that connection there that uh, allowed me, it, you know, once they offered me, it was, it was pretty much a done deal because there was no, there was nobody else. And I wasn't going to wait for anybody else to, to step in. I had some junior colleges that had called me and I had, I mean, I had letters from schools, but to my knowledge, not any real interest um, as far as the scholarship goes. So it became an easy decision. Um, I, I took a couple of days and really because coach Levitt just told me, he goes, take a couple of days to think about it rather than just telling me yes or no right now. He said, take a couple of days. And uh, so I did, and I made that decision. At that time, I felt like I got offered, I don't know if it was, I think it was relatively early maybe in the process. I didn't go to the camp in the summer. I know looking back, they wanted me to go to camp prior to my senior year. And I, I, was, I played baseball and, you know, my, I, mean, I know camps are expensive and stuff. My family were, we probably weren't the best position to like go out and just pay two hundred and some dollars for a camp. Yeah. So we, I didn't end up going to the camp in the in the summertime, which you know they they wanted me to to attend that. Um, Coach Levin did, but you know during the season I think it was going to be game three or four. Um, they came out and watched me play in Victoria, Kansas, and and then the next day they uh, Coach Snyder called and. And they offered me and, and Coach Levitt. I talked to him, and and then, like I said, I took a few days, and then I, I went ahead and committed, and and that was that was it. Was you know at that point finished out the season, and then was excited preparing to to get to Kansas State. Man, that had to be just a huge news to have K State coaches show up for Smith Center versus Victoria. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you, know who, you, know who was, you know who was on that team at that time in Victoria? Who? Monty Beisel. So Monty Beisel was a sophomore. Oh, my god! And I was a senior. Yeah, so he was in that – he was playing in, in that game because it was in Victoria. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was at that game, and he was a big kid, man. He was a sophomore. Or he was – I mean, he was a big physical kid. So you knew he was going to be something else. And, and uh, but that just was, again, kind of a side note to the, that story. Of That's crazy. How that happened. Yeah, yeah. Two, two future Wildcats on that field that day. That's just amazing. <laughs> Uh, I look back at that time of K-State football when you came in. What year exactly did you come in? 95? 95, yeah. Yeah. 95. That's my red shirt. It was all happening. You know, it was – the program had broken through with back-to-back bowls when you arrived, and it it just – it had to seem like anything could happen within K-State football when you arrived, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was rolling. I mean, it, it was rolling, and, you know, as far as, for me, being a defensive player, uh, the defensive the culture that was there from a, from a defensive standpoint and the mindset that those guys had was was unbelievable. Like, as a, as a young player coming in, like, I was like, my gosh, this is, this is what it's all about. You know, like, this, this is the mindset it takes to play high-level defense. So I mean that was the one, the thing that that probably was the biggest like wake up to me when I got there was just the level of like preparedness mentally and physically like what you were trying to do to play at that level um, defensively. Um, it was you know Mario Smith and Niall Wire and Chris Canny and you know Tim Colston and all you know Dirk Oaks. I mean there's all these guys there that are just just all about being dominant defensive players. So, so that was, that was the thing that really stuck out to me when I got there and, and what it took and how to prepare um, and the attitude it took to play, play at that level. I want you to stop and think about the personalities of the guys you just mentioned. It's like you cast a movie. I mean, I, know. <laughs> I mean, Niall Wyron is just yeah. a Hollywood character, and then the soft-spoken, slight-lisp defensive tackle who seems like the the sweetest guy yeah. in the world who will tear your head off on Saturday. Yeah, this is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Dirk Oaks yeah. kind of got the country thing going on, even though he's can't see. It was just <laughs> amazing. Yeah. I, I Niall yeah. Wyron remains one of my favorite personalities in K State football history. I mean, oh yeah, what a guy! Yeah, oh, and and a and great player. My God, oh, no. he was such a good player. Uh, yeah, those actually, I mean, they're the group and Purcell. Ga- I mean, Purcell Gaskins oh. and I think our linebacking crew. And I mean, it was it was a group now. I mean, and it was it was an eye opener being a young player from Smith Center going into that and 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 just seeing it. Like I said, I mean, the difference. All these young players, when when and I coach high school football, but young players don't they don't understand how fast and how hard you can play the game until you get to that level. Because mm-hmm. you're you're capable of doing those things, you just don't understand that you are capable of it at that point. Typically, no. But when you get to that level, you either have to do that or you don't play. 
you're not going to mean you, you have to be able to step up to that level or you don't play. So, um, it's, it's trying to draw that out of kids. Like when you have them in high school, like understand, like you can play at a, a way, a way higher level than you think you can is, is a, is a hard thing to do. But when you get in an environment like that, like you either, you better either step up or you're not, you're never going to touch the field. Yeah, I'd imagine the first time young Mark Semino saw Purcell Gaskins went, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, like, man, do I, do I belong here? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, you talk yeah. about maybe the of all the physical freaks in K-State football history or any football program, he's got to be way yeah. up there as a, a linebacker oh, who's yeah. a high jumper. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was, he was a, a special athlete. I mean – like you said, a, a high jumper, and I mean he he was physical and strong and explosive. Yeah, yeah. There was that was a great group, and that's just walking on campus my my first year. But and that just comes to the point. Like I mean, things were things were rolling. I mean, Coach Snyder had things rolling, and um, uh, it was it was just a matter of building building on that foundation um, that had been laid years before that. I've often wondered this. When a small-town kid like you rolls into a multicultural locker room where there's just – I mean, I ran into it in college just moving into a fraternity, you know, just the different yeah. backgrounds and the different personalities, and you were all so uh, similar in high school even though there were some different personalities, but you all uh-huh. kind of rooted in the same thing. How big of a shock yeah. to the system was that? It was different, but it, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was. I enjoyed getting to like meet people from all over the country. You know, we had a lot of players from Florida. We had a lot of players from you know Texas and um, all over Oklahoma and California and and just and just the personalities and just how it was. And because we, I mean, we had personalities. I mean, there was. I don't know that we – I can't imagine other teams had as many personalities, different personalities as we had on those teams. And, it, I mean, and in many ways, like, I think that's a part of what made those teams so special is just that combination of those different personalities coming together and um, and working for the same goal. And um, I, I really do. I just, that's, that was a, that's a big part of that recipe, um, the success that, that we had. Obviously, the ability on the field matters, um, but the way we were able to gel um, through all the different personalities we had on those teams, coming from all those different um, places and how we all grew up differently um, was a big part of it. Just incredible time in K-State football. Mm. When you walk in the door, um, are your coordinators at that point Stoops and and Levitt? Or, Um, Or Bob moved on by then? Bobby, Bobby was there the first year okay. and coach Levitt was there my, my first year. That was, that was who recruited me. Coach Levitt, Bobby Stoops was there. He was the defensive backs coach. And then, um, they, they both left. That's right. And then that was when coach Cope came in. I read the second year, my first year I was going to be playing. He was going to be the DC. And then, um, and then he passed and, uh, and that was when, uh, uh, Mike. Mike Stoops and and Coach uh, Venables. I think I think they were was it was it just Coach? I can't remember if Coach Venables was the co DC right away or if it, if it, that was that came later. 
you know, that's one of those things I should probably know, but my brain doesn't keep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, but, but, but that, I mean, again, that's an example of, I mean, just those names, oh, no. <laughs> kind of coaches, coaches that we had there, you know, on top of having coach Snyder as a head coach. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I can't imagine after you, you described Bill Snyder and Roger Barta, all of a sudden your linebackers coach are Jim Levitt yeah. and then Brent Venables. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a little, a little intense. I. I would have to say Venables yeah. probably passes Levitt, and I don't even know how that's possible. I I would I would probably disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I would disagree. I, I think I would disagree with that. But they was they were different. They were different. And then again, that's the perception of a first year player versus my freshman, sophomore, and junior year with with Coach Venables. Um, my redshirt year with coach Levitt. And again, like I, like I said, at Smith center, we kept things very simple as a middle linebacker and Smith center. I was, I lined up right over the center and I ran to the ball. Right. That was it. That's all I did. That was my only job. Go make tackles. No real pass responsibility. Nothing like I just, that's all I did. So getting, getting to Kansas state. And again, Having a coach like Coach Levitt, who's an intense guy, really, really intense guy, um, it was it was a difficult transition that first year for me. I mean, I had to learn what an A gap was and a B gap and a C gap, and you know, like where I had to call the front, like left or right, depending on the formation. And um, this is how I have to fit on this run play, and this is this is like the guy I have in coverage on this play. So all of a sudden, there are all these all these things are are, are things that I'm not thinking about at all in high school, but now pre-snap, you know, in less than five seconds, I'm have to process all of these things. So for every young player, that becomes an issue because at some point you're going to have to go through that, whether that is happening at your high school, whether it's happening at your middle school, or if it's happening when you get to college. Like at some point, you have to learn how to process those things pre-snap. Um, once you get the, you know, once you get the call, then you can see the formation. You go pre-snap, go through your your checklist and then you play at that point. It's just getting that point. So having coach Levitt, I don't know that he was always the most patient person <laughs> with, with, 
with a young player, especially, especially because in some ways they were thinking maybe as a as a freshman I might have played. Yeah. So they were trying to they were kind of trying to get me ready to play, which made it for a young player it made it made it worse because again the intensity was high. I'm trying to learn things at a at an accelerated rate. So again, my perception of that is Coach Levitt was maybe a little a little bit more intense than Venables was at that time in my life. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah. Um, but it, I guess when you got to Brent, there probably wasn't a little more ability to relate to your coach, and because he yeah. had just been through it, he'd he'd done all yeah. the stuff you were doing, and that probably had to help you tremendously. Yeah, it, it it did, it did, and there and there were a lot. I mean, obviously, both incredibly great coaches. Um, but like you said, like he had just finished up playing, he. He was—he still kind of had his foot. He could understand what we were. Again, when you when you're playing, you know what is can be is easy to do and what is hard to do. You know, like from a from a scheme standpoint, like man, this this is really hard to do, or plays that are harder to make than other plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in some ways, the coach, when you're looking at it that way, it, it makes it a little bit easier, even though. If, if as a defensive coordinator, you're asking your linebackers to do this, then that's what you got to get done. No matter what, what the scheme says, you got to figure a way to get it done. But, 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 you know, Brent being younger and, um, and again, there were definitely, there's, there was some intensity there, no question. <laughs> and I think it drove us as a, as a linebacker um, unit because of that intensity because I mean, we we had a high standard. I mean, the the, the standard was set very high, and if it wasn't met, then there was going to be issues. But um, the way it worked, the way it gelled, you got the best out of all of us on on uh, as a linebacking core. I'd imagine so it was, there's no surprise yeah. for you that Brent Venables is regarded as one of the great coordinators yeah. in college football now. No, yeah, absolutely not. I mean, he's he he was a, a great coach then, and he's just such a, a young coach. And the things that he's done in the course of his career coaching, and he's still, I mean, he's still a young coach. Like he's right. been coaching forever, you know. And he's still he's still a young coach. And the things that he's accomplished, uh, it's it's pretty cool. You tell people, yeah, that was that was my linebacker coach in and uh, in college. <laughs> so so it's uh, it's kind of nice to to be able to say that you you played for guys like uh coach levitt and um coach venables and incredible it really is incredible yeah coach gush i'm gonna i'm gonna bring this up uh what are your memories of that 98 title game oh it's 98 title game um i haven't i I think i maybe watched the game one time Mm. so i don't I mean, I remember the end of it, and I kind of remember. I remember having having a lead and it kind of falling apart, and you know, just kind of everything just fell apart at the end. You know, I can remember when they they announced the score. Yeah, it was just a. It was a tough. It was a tough, tough, tough loss. Like, obviously, for Kansas State fans, like. 
it's the one you look at and just wish you could do over, over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it is what it is <laughs> like, at this point. And, I know. You know, you know the team. You know the team that that we had at that time, and what I know what we were capable of doing. It was just a shame that we weren't able to to finish finish that game off, and and then have the opportunity, hopefully, to to be able to play for a national title and do something that had never been done at Kansas State. Yeah, you were a junior. You come back your senior year. You're Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, first team all-conference. As you look back, I mean, that's just a remarkable course of events for a guy from Smith Center who didn't know how to line up, basically, at the start to get to that. It took a lot of hard work, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did. Um, Yeah, one one thing as a young player, I remember, too, like, I mean, I, I did not, the pulling guard on a counter or something like that, no, I have no chance. No chance. I'm running the opposite direction. And bull prep, at bull prep my freshman year, um, we're at the Holiday Bowl. We're playing uh, Colorado State. I'm redshirted. I'm done. But I'm going through bull prep. And I, they're running these counters, and I'm going the completely wrong way. At full speed, of course. So in my mind, like, as a young player, that was where I was at. Like, And then – I try to take pride in by the time I became definitely by my sophomore, junior year, like as far as reading plays and things like that, I, I, I became pretty good at it. I felt like, so there was a lot of growth that came through that. And, and like, and like you said, I mean, being a part of a, a great defense with great, great, great defensive coaches and great defensive teammates, it allowed it allowed us to to play great defense. You have to do your job. Right. You have to do your job. If you if you try to do the other guy's job, or he tries to do your job, then that's where that's where you put, put holes in your defense. And that's where you give up yards. And that's when you. I mean, I mean, it, it just takes one mistake, and, and it's an eighty-yard touchdown. Yeah. So great defenses, and that that's what we we we. Um, prided ourselves on is is we just did our job and we did it as fast and as reckless and as and as physical as we possibly could on every single play and that and that was our mindset and even though I was running my wrong the wrong direction my first year I knew that was the mindset because I couldn't run, run the wrong direction slow because I was going to go and that was the mindset of our defense. The guys next to you, we're going to go. And when we figured out exactly where we were supposed to be on every single play, we, we knew we, were gonna, we would have one of the best defenses in the country because of that mindset. So I think that was, as a young player going into that program, all I knew is I, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to play or what's going to happen. I'm not going to make any forecasts like that. But I know I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can. And I'm going to give everything I have when I'm out there. Yeah. And that's, that's the only two things that I could control. And that's what my mindset was. I tried to, tried to do that every, every opportunity I had um, in practice or whether it was winter conditioning or whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You bring up the 95 holiday bowl that maybe it was because I was young as a reporter, but that's 
still one of my favorite bowl games. It was just something about that whole uh-huh. week in San Diego, which had to be really cool for you, <clears throat> you know, yeah. being a kid yeah. from Sir Center that ends up in San Diego. But there was a ton of fans yeah. there. There were The events were yeah. fun. The game was yeah. – how it played out was really incredible. Just amazing memories. Yeah. Yeah, those that that was that was a really great memory. You know, talking to my talking to my parents, you know, that's one thing that they're they're always just like, oh my gosh, like it's just we're so appreciative. Like you, you know, you playing football, like we went places and saw things and did things we never we would never have done or right. seen if 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 we didn't go to that bowl game. If we didn't go to the Fiesta Bowl, you know, like mm-hmm. those are things that uh, our families and, and, and get to experience along with us. They're so special. Um, and this, and it makes the game so special. Um, and, uh, it kind of gives you, I mean, it, it just makes you proud of, of being able to do those things and, and have that whole, your whole family, um, be able to, I guess, uh, enjoy that with you. Yeah. That 97 Fiesta Bowl, when when Coach Snyder brought in all those JUCO guys, how big of a shock to the locker room was it? Uh, but I imagine you quickly discovered guys like Jeff Kelly and company yeah. could really, really play football. Yeah, yeah, we were we were just excited. I mean, for a guy like for a guy like Jeff coming in, I mean, he was he was recruited. You know, I think there was a big recruiting kind of battle for him through I think Oklahoma and K-State I think at the time and I just remember I just remember coach Venables just like like man this guy can play like this guy is a football player so we were we were fired up to have him coming in um into that group going into the 97 season and uh and then when he got there like I mean Jeff's personality is so, I mean, such a great personality and such a good guy. Like, um, and that was what he was, you know, and he worked, he worked hard. And then when he's, when we start playing, it's like, my gosh, he, I mean, he's downhill. He's knocking guys in the backfield. I mean, I don't know how many tackles for loss he had, but it was like 20. I mean, it was something, it was, it wasn't even something you could think was possible. It's how aggressive he was playing and how downhill of a player he was. So, um, just from from Jeff coming into that group, and then then obviously you know uh, Bishop and Darnell and all those guys that they came in and and again they they had the mindset that was is we're going to win. You know, like this is we're going to win here. We're going to we're going to play for titles here, and that was our mindset. That was our focus throughout the, that summer. Um, going into that '97 uh, season, but yeah, it was, it was again, it was just an example of, like you said, personalities, you know, and then they were just the right personalities. How everything uh, came together, you know, and how how we gelled as as a as a team and as a defensive unit, as an offensive unit. It was pretty cool. And Michael Bishop brought that almost bulldog mentality you have on defense yeah. to the offensive yeah. side of the ball. He was so determined, just not always doing yeah. the right thing, but again, doing it 110%. Yeah. He played so hard and he had supreme confidence, supreme confidence that it was going to get done. And that gave us supreme confidence on defense that when it was third down and seven, 
like he was going to figure a way to get the first down. And, and also as a defensive player, when you see an, an offensive guy who has a defensive mindset as far as how they attack the game, I mean, it, it wants you, you want to get behind a guy like that. Yeah. And that was, that was what Mike was about. And, and he, I mean, just going back and watching the plays that he, he made during his career and, and his abilities. And again, it was just uh, that time, you know, that time. And then uh, K-State football and it was special. It really, it really was. I remember that first game in Northern Illinois when he broke that long run. I'm like, well, that's something different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just scoot, just scooped down the sideline there. Yep, they made that play. Wow, <laughs> wow. Uh, you move on to the NFL. Ten years in the NFL, Mark. That's absolutely inc- incredible. Congratulations on that. That's. Uh, oh, thank you. Not many guys get to do that. Not many guys get to make the NFL, but to go into double uh-huh. digits. Three years, basically, with the Falcons, Eagles, and Saints each, and then the final year with the Chiefs. Do you, in your mind, do you tie yourself to one organization in particular? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say. Like, obviously, I finished in New Orleans. I mean, I finished in the, with Kansas City, but that was like I just had a cup of coffee there, right. and, you know, and was out. So, you know, each each place, I think. It's a different times in your career, um, you know. Being in Atlanta as a young player, like you know, the way I look at it, I mean, I'm a rookie there. You're, you know, you're kind of trying to find your way in, into the National Football League. How do you fit on the team? Trying to establish yourself as a player, what that looks like. You know, again, coming from Smith Center, Kansas, going to Manhattan, Kansas. And then living in Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, and hmm. you know that's that's a that's a, a change. Yeah. So um, you know, and then and then in playing, you know, my, my rookie year, I played a decent amount. Like I played a lot of nickel linebacker, and um, was in a lot of packages because we had a couple injuries. My second year, I played kind of in stretches a good amount started or for a few games and, and had the opportunity to put some good film out there. And then my third year, um, I didn't really play at all on defense. I got, I got nicked up like in one of our early preseason games, I couldn't play and I just didn't ever, we had a new, uh, D coordinator and, and I never really got a chance to play that year, but then I, and then I get traded to Philadelphia and, and then, I have a, a, a great season of three and then 04. I get through the season halfway through the season, I get injured and then I move positions. And then my third year, I play more like the nickel role again and then play more special teams. And then I get traded again. Huh. And then I'm, I'm in new Orleans and I'm back to being a full-time starter. Like I was in 03 and at the start of 04. And, uh, and I, and I'm in that role in 2006, 2007. So, I mean, each, each place is different. I think of New Orleans being my last home, really. Um, so, you know, Coach Payton still being in New Orleans. Um, you know, Malcolm Jenkins was a rookie my last year there. Obviously, Drew Brees was there when I was there. So, I still have a connection watching those, those guys, 
because there's still there's a lot of those coaches that are there that were there when I was there. So that's probably who I feel most connected with um, as a player or as a former player now. But each place was different and special in its own way because it was just a different experience um, being being at those different cities at those different times in my life. Yeah, that's an amazing trio of cities. Short of going to the West Coast, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Philly, and New Orleans are about as diverse yeah. of city cultures yeah. as you can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, I remember going to Atlanta my first time, and I drove, I drove from from Manhattan to Atlanta, and I can just remember driving in, <laughs> and all of a sudden I start seeing the the lanes just start multiplying out. And then the cars start multiplying out, and I'm like stuck in traffic, which is, I mean, if you've I mean, been to Atlanta and you've driven Atlanta, uh-huh. like that's all you do is you sit in traffic. <laughs> and then we, then I, then I get to the complex, and at that time, um, the complex was in Sewanee, Georgia, which they just had some like tra- trailers where the where the uh, meeting rooms were. And it was the old facility, and then we ended up being there just for that summer. And then we went to training camp, and then we went to the new the new training facility and the new complex in Flowery Branch that first year um, I was there. So I got to ex- kind of experience that. And then, again, just like some people talk about when you in college you have these facilities, and then you go – you would go to some of these NFL teams, and the facilities weren't – they were not nearly as nice as the facilities you had in college. And that was kind of the case when I got to Atlanta. Um, so it was just it was a it was a uh, interesting just kind of going through those things as as a young young person trying to go from a college environment into professional football. But you had your cup of coffee in Kansas City. That kind of had to be a neat way to round it out, kind of come yeah. back home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I was living here already, and. Um, coach Gibbs, he was my DC in, in New Orleans and he was the linebacker coach in Kansas city. And, um, coach Zimmer, who's in Minnesota, uh, now coaching linebackers, he was assistant linebacker coach there. And they, they called me and they asked me, you know, if I was interested in still playing and I said, I'm, you know, let me think about it. And, and it was, those guys were, were great to me and they're, they're great coaches. And I'm like, it's in Kansas city. Like I'll, I'll give it a go. Like <laughs> I'm gonna try to go. And I was I was hoping that I'd be able to, you know, play for a year or two after that. But, but my body just wasn't able to to sustain that level of uh, um, competition. I suppose for that duration. I, I think about eight years is what my body was able to yeah. to handle before it started to break down. I remember uh, when I spoke to Nick Lucky about that when he got towards the end of his career he was like please don't call please don't call please don't call because he couldn't turn down the money or the opportunity but your body was like yeah. i don't want to play anymore I, i'm done i'm done and yeah. out of that inner turmoil of whether to go yeah. do it one more time or not yeah and i and when you see when you see players that you know will kind of make him sometimes an abrupt decision and you think oh my well, gosh i why are why are they retiring you know like as a player, you know those things go in in your mind 
as you get later in your career because because of the toll it does take on your body. I mean, and the, and mentally uh, to be able to stay at that level mentally consistently day after day after day after day after day because you know in, in the National Football League it is. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing guaranteed. I mean, there's not one day that's really guaranteed as far as having a job. Yeah. So um, it's it's uh, there's a, there's a mental there's the mental side of it, and then obviously the physical side, and both of them, in some capacity, are tied to each other as well. You know, so you have to manage those things um, mentally and physically. And and again, some people like well, there's I mean, a lot of it I think has to do with kind of genetically if your body able to handle that stress and. For me, you know, I know I played two years as a running back and linebacker in high school, and I played four years of, of linebacker, you know, almost all the snaps in college, and then I played for another eight full years, and that was just the point my body was not able to to do it anymore. And you wanted it to, but sometimes it doesn't agree with you. <laughs> agree with you, and you do all the things you can to prepare your body as much as you can, and then. For me, I think it was the the training camp because uh, I got I got injured two years in a row during training camp, oh. and at that time it was, you know, you, you practice in the morning and you practice in the afternoon every day, and you know, twice a day, six seven days a week, you know, two three weeks in a row, it just was it was too much. I think if training camps were they were they were the way they were now. I think I probably would be able to play a little bit longer, um, just because of the rules they have in in, uh, in place as far as how much contact you can have and how long the practices are, and um, that you can't have the uh, double days and all those things. So. Yeah. Ten but, years removed, how's the body feel? Um, you know, like I like I had I had back surgery, I've had hip surgery. Uh, had surgery on my elbow and both my ankles had surgery. Mm. Um, but I continue because of my job. I'm, I, I, I keep moving right. and I'm active. So, uh, I really, I feel, I feel pretty good considering all those things. And I too, I do continue to try to, to exercise and work out and try to stay, um, keep some level of strength, um, to, to try to, improve those things, you yeah. know, so I don't have uh, as much pain and those things. But I feel, and, and again, I feel pretty good considering those things that occurred that I had to have surgery and things with. So I feel pretty blessed with, with how I'm feeling. Mark, it's been a pretty re- remarkable life. I mean, really, you think about it. And and uh, yeah. you, you, there's a lot of things you can do after football, but getting to work with young people has got to be really, really fulfilling. It is. It absolutely is because, and in many ways, like from what I do, I feel like that part of the development process was such a critical thing for me to be able to have the opportunity to move on and go on to be able to have play play college sports and then go on to play professional sports. So I just know what that that impact it had on me, and if it. If a, if a student wants to work hard and they have aspirations and dreams, it doesn't mean that they're going to play at Kansas State or in the NFL, but getting into that next step and then understanding that hard work, committing yourself to something, 
and and doing those things and then seeing the reward for those things and how those things tie to one another is important because all areas of our lives that will transfer to yeah. and and that's 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 a that's a pretty cool deal when you see the light go on for for those students plus you kicked an extra point in the NFL and nobody can take that away <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I'll get, some people will send me stuff like I didn't know you did that I'm like oh yeah yeah I did that Smith Center Smith Center kicking days <laughs> oh my god that is just so funny that's so funny yeah and soccer you got, I got to hand it to like we had soccer in Smith Center my fifth and sixth grade year we didn't have football we had soccer crazy and I learned how to kick a ball when I was in soccer soccer yeah we didn't play football till seventh grade in Smith Center and we had a uh, uh, fifth and sixth grade soccer. We had fifth and sixth grade. I mean, we had basketball in fifth and sixth grade. Um, and then baseball. And then I ran AU track kind of, but we only did summer, summer baseball. Hmm. Cross training. Um, so that was, that was yeah. And then we got to high school or middle school. It was, it was all the normal stuff, but, but yeah, that was where I developed my, my, uh, kicking skills Sweet. back in the Sweet. Fifth, sixth grade. But Hey, those, that cross training with sports, it's valuable. It really is. It is. It is valuable. Absolutely. It is very valuable. So, I mean, we were all, we always talked about it. Like, well, that, that was probably a good thing to have in my development when I was, when I was young is to play soccer. Well, I kept you longer Multiple than I said sports. I would, uh, brother. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's always good to see you. Yeah. I run into you once in a while at, at something, although yeah. I'm kind of hunkering in my basement nowadays. But you know, hey, I'll, yeah, I'll well, be able to go out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely appreciate all you've done um, for Kansas State football uh, over the years, and um, the support you've given me personally um, during my career. So, I really appreciate you, Tim and. I appreciate this time that we got a chat today. Thank you, buddy. Good to talk to you. Right. See you soon. Good talking to you, too. All right. Bye-bye. It was so good to catch up with Mark, who, despite his amazing football career, remains just as kind and humble as he was when he arrived in Manhattan as a freshman linebacker ready to get to work. The student-athletes at Gardner-Edgerton are so fortunate to have him guiding their physical development. August is more than halfway done, and we're nearing, ready, football season. So the life of Fitz will soon be going on hiatus. But remember, men, if you are 45 or older, go get your PSA scored. It's a simple blood test that aids in the early detection of prostate cancer. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon.